1: From a sketchy alley behind a ramen shop in Las Vegas, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind BattleBots. I'm Chris.
0: I'm Luke.
2: I'm Lindsay.
1: I'm Kyle. And I'm Nicole. And today on the podcast, our interview with Glitch Captain Kyle Miller.
2: We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support.
0: Time for this week's Combat Robotics news. I have five news items for you today. First up, Saturday marked the conclusion of filming on the 2021 season of BattleBots. The show has crowned the winner of the Giant Nut. All of the BattleBots crates have been packed up and are being shipped home, and just a few builders decided to remain in the area this week for some end-of-season sightseeing. The 65 or so teams that competed this season will now enter a self-imposed media blackout for the next few weeks as they eagerly await the season premiere. This year, BattleBots commissioned sculptor David Fay as the show's first-ever artist-in-residence. Fay spent two weeks gathering up broken and discarded parts from BattleBots teams, and will weld them together into an art piece that will be displayed somewhere in Las Vegas later this year. Fay is best known for his sculpture On Second Thought, which he made out of parts and ammunition for more than 600 guns following the mass shooting at a Las Vegas Country Music Festival in 2017. Meanwhile, BattleBots has signed a deal with Konami to put more than a dozen BattleBots into a new slot machine that should begin appearing in casinos across the country sometime next year. The machine has reignited the debate over who should own and control the likenesses and brands of each individual BattleBot. Currently, BattleBots owns the IP for every robot that has fought on the modern reboot of the show, giving them the ability to sell the rights to those robots to Konami. We heard from several builders that they learned about the existence of the slot machine when they arrived at BattleBots. One high-profile robot that did not appear in the demo was ByteForce, which sat out the 2021 season of the competition over a breakdown in contract negotiations, um, slot machine. I would love to take a pause here. Uh, do we have thoughts on the slot machine? Is it a symbol? Is it a uh, lightning rod? Is it uh, like a an amazing accomplishment that everybody should be happy about? What are our thoughts on the slot machine? I feel like you know, a couple of weeks ago, I said that I absolutely hated gambling, and uh, so you know, I feel like you you know you know where I'm I'm going to uh, come down on this this issue. But I would love to hear your thoughts on uh, on this this new amazing slot machine.
3: I mean, I think that it is all of those things. It's really cool that one of the first things BattleBots did when they restarted the show in Vegas, you know, the new season in Vegas, is get a slot machine deal. Um, I think that's awesome. I also think it's really lame that some of the folks that were in said slot machine did not even know about it till they got there.
0: I guess, like, we can speculate about why that is. Um yeah, I, I know that that in the the run-up to this season that um ownership was a sticking point and I know that there were contract negotiations, that's what I've heard from from some of the builders um you know going into this season. Yeah. And um I think the challenge is that I don't know. Like a lot of a lot of these deals are pretty opaque. Um, We don't know how much money BattleBots will make from Konami. um, What the revenue split is going to be with the builders. I mean, obviously the builders know. We don't know. (laughs) You know. So like, it kind of comes down to like, is this fair? I did talk to one builder today who said, um, "Look, I think it's great. I mean, it's a win-win for both my team and for BattleBots because." Let's face it, you know, if I fully owned the the rights to my robot, it's not like I could go out and negotiate a a you know a battlebot slot machine that's just focused on on my robot. It's not a strong enough brand, but together, you know the twenty or so robots that are in here with the Battlebots logo on top, you know it makes a really nice package and um you know we wouldn't have been able to do this unless you know we we all worked together basically um which I thought was was a good kind of nuanced take on on this this uh, this conversation.
3: I mean that is the the right way of looking at it for sure. Um, I do wonder how much of like the contract negotiations like if it was a calculated decision right like oh, you know what everybody's worried about ownership and that's a big part of what we're all talking about. I want this deal to go through. let's just not even stir that pot. you know legal tells us we can move ahead, let's just move ahead. Or if it was like, everything's a mad dash, everything's trying to get done, um, crap, let's just get this deal signed so we can get this thing in production on time rather than dealing with the 20 plus people slash egos slash uh, legal loopholes or whatever that you'd have to get through um, to do it while asking everybody. You know what I mean? It could it could yeah. kind of go both ways and there's a slightly different kind of connotation to it either way. So I'm, I'm curious as to how that internal conversation happened.
0: Yeah. I I can I can see like the really great side of this, like this is a great branding opportunity. Now you have this kind of massive BattleBots machine um that's just gorgeous. It's huge. It's like <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> yeah. like 20 feet tall, right? It's got this huge screen. It's like the brand new kind of Konami like video slot machine. And um so you know like you've got this ad that's basically all over um Vegas, you know, as you're walking through these casinos. And I think kind of the pessimistic side is like uh what won't we do? <laughs> you know, like uh like Hexbugs makes a lot of sense to me because it's a toy for kids and kids love BattleBots and there's a little robot that they get to own. Um, you know, kind of builder kits. They make so much sense to me, you know, um, because it's educational. Um uh, putting the, you know, robot on a t-shirt for kids like makes a lot of sense. I know that BattleBots is not just a kid's brand, but you know, I don't know. The idea of some geriatric uh, social security recipient, you know, just kind of pouring their their monthly check into a BattleBots machine seems a little off-brand for me. But you know, I mean, I'm not in control of the brand. Um,
3: you really did fall for that glamorous view of Vegas, didn't you, Luke? That's. Um...
1: <laughs> Wait, till you try the the new BattleBots hard seltzers? <laughs>
0: <laughs> right, right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, let's 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 make uh, Battlebots vape pins, You know, let's uh, <laughs> let's do Battlebots street racing. You know, uh, equipment. I don't know. You know, like what what what's what what depths? You know, will, will we go to? You know, what what are we unwilling to brand? You know.
1: Hey, you kids want to try some tombstone?
0: <laughs> <laughs> now, Chris, Chris, you you did some research. You 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 looked at. Um, how much, you know, these kinds of, of branded, uh, machines, you know, how much money they generate. Tell, tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah, I did. Um, I did some, uh, the same amount of research like an anti-vaxxer does. I did one Google research, uh, uh I hit enter, and I found out that there is like this absolutely incredible, uh, underground economy of, of wheeling and dealing IP for, uh, for, for slot machines. Um, so, Uh, this thing is on, it's called Las Vegas Advisor, uh, and I was reading a little bit about the Wheel of Fortune machines, uh, from way back in the day, and a single Wheel of Fortune machine, uh, would, would earn the, uh, the show, uh, $300 per machine, which is pretty, you know, seems like a measly sum, except there was 12,000 Wheel of Fortune slot machines, earning them, like, over a million dollars uh, a day and like it was closer to a billion dollars a year uh which was absolute madness now i'm not thinking that uh by any means battlebox is going to have uh 12,000 slot machines but it's um it just shows you that uh you know this is a uh, this is a really big deal for shows and it looks like even um now they can uh you know do- work out uh, uh, contracts for not only shows but the likeness of the actors in the shows who get uh, you know, a piece of their uh, a cut as well. It looks like um, you know they have uh, uh, they have licenses with shows like The Simpsons and The Big Bang Theory, which can go for like twenty millions of pop just to even like uh, you know put the machine on the floor, which is uh, which is pretty crazy.
0: Right. I guess my big hope is that some of that money will, you know arrive at the builder's um, doorsteps, you know, if they, if they are generating thousands of dollars every single day, you know, a battle bot, $50,000 battle bot, you know, could probably use a lot of that money. Um, so I guess I would say that's my kind of cautious optimism side, you know,
2: I think uh, the only way that this is like a, I don't know. I mean, I guess for brand recognition, it's like a, a cause for celebration regardless, but like I think that this will be a true celebration uh when they start to profit share. I imagine BattleBots will be or Whale Rock will be making some amount of money from this deal and if they pocket it and run and give it to themselves, I think that's probably pretty shady. I mean, I obviously don't know all the details, but that's how it would seem on the outside. But if they do, you know, use this money and put it towards stipends or other forms of profit sharing or something, then I think that this is like, you know, a great development for the show and for the teams. Um, ideally not just the teams that are in the, um, Uh, you know, in the slot machine, because they probably already have like pretty good sponsor deals. But if they're able to like use any type of cash that comes in from this and like lift up all of the teams, uh, I'm going to be pretty excited about it, even though it is kind of, you know, I don't also don't love gambling. So it is a little weird for it to be on the backs of, you know, uh, granny's pension. But still,
1: I bet you $20. (laughs) I I get you to like gambling by the end of the day.
0: Well said, Lindsay. That's 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 very well said. Um one of the robots that uh that both appeared in the slot machine and made news this week is Blacksmith, um, where Blacksmith Captain Al Kindle finally unveiled its new weapon for 2021. This season, Blacksmith is ditching its fire-breathing hammer in favor of a fire-breathing power saw. Check out test box footage on the team's Facebook page. And finally, Malice teammates David Leah, David Small, and David Rush competed this past week in the Battle of David, an ultimate competition designed to figure out which David was the best Beetleweight builder and driver. The three Davids ran their champion Beetleweight's Unknown Avenger, Kelpie, and Animus inside one of the test boxes at BattleBots. David Small emerged victorious with his CO2-powered flipper Kelpie, Taking home a Lego trophy made by Malice Captain Bunny Sariel. And that's it for this week's news. After the break, our interview with Kyle Miller from Glitch. This week on the podcast, we have a very special guest, Glitch Captain Kyle Miller. Glitch is an absolutely gorgeous heavyweight from the Combat Robotics team at UC Berkeley. The bot has a very cool synthwave aesthetic, a billet frame shaped like a stealth bomber, omnidirectional wheels on X Drive, and a punishing vertical egg beater. We know very little about the team except that virtually every BattleBots builder this season said they had fallen in love with this rookie bot from California, and that we had to talk to Kyle. We're looking forward to learning all about the team and their robot in the hour ahead. So, welcome to the show, Kyle.
4: Thank you. Thank you so much. It's amazing to be here.
0: I am so happy that that uh, you were able to join us. Um, there are like so many wonderful things about this robot. And I cannot wait to hear more about your story. Um, So, like, we are talking to you Monday evening. What is it, like 4.30 your time? BattleBots just wrapped up filming a couple days ago. You came home from Vegas. So the experience is very fresh in your mind still. So as a first-time captain, I would love for you to take us back, like, two weeks. Uh, So you're walking into the pits for the first time. Um, You're getting your pit area set up. What were your first impressions of BattleBots? And can you tell us a little bit more about your first week as a new team? When we
4: first walked in, we were very, very panicked. (laughs) We did not have a working bot. Uh, So we just went straight to our pits and started unloading and working on it. I think the biggest missed opportunity for us is uh, if we were able to get ready earlier. Uh, we would have been able to, like, talk to everyone in the pits. I know there's, like, uh, a Scorpios blog with us, and we're working on the bot. Uh, and my team had pulled, like, an all-nighter the day before, and so their answers to questions were just, like, nodding their heads and, like, saying, our bot is glitch, which was, like, very sleep-deprived answers. <laughs> uh, yeah. We, w- we wanted to be able to talk to people more, but we were really lucky that people were super welcoming and came to us to talk. So while we were working on it, we were still able to meet with the like amazing community there.
0: I have to say that it's pretty cool that um, that as rookies, you showed up with something so sophisticated for your first build. Um, I mean, I I from from what I can gather from you know when I've talked to other rookie captains. You know, their first season is usually a huge learning experience, and um, there's a lot of things that that don't work on the robot, and it's very common to finish like eighty percent of the robot, put it into the crate, and then finish the last twenty percent there. Um, so I would say like your experience is probably right on track. Um, but I I so like I arrived a week later. Everybody was like, you have to go over, you have to see glitch, and. When I walked over to your pit area, I was just floored by um, these billet frames that, that you had built for for the robot, and you had so many of them. And the robot itself just looked so amazing. Um, so I I'm stoked to ask more about some of the designs. But um, but first, I mean, just kind of like I'd love to hear like the good, the bad, and the ugly. I guess for um your experience, like in the pits, your experience at the competition, like good stuff first, maybe. Um, Maybe, maybe the bad, like around, uh, I don't know, static electricity or the food or whatever. Um, you know, could you uh, tell us a little bit more about, you know, your, your experience in the pits?
4: Uh, yeah. So, start with the good. Uh, literally, almost everyone there was amazing to us. Uh, like, almost every team after every fight uh, was like, great job, guys, no matter what happened. Uh, and... Whenever we walked to other people's pits, they would be helpful. Whenever people came to our pits and talked to us, they would offer great advice (laughs) because we definitely need advice. Uh, and all the, all the production there, uh, I know that there's some drama, uh, but everyone was nice to us and we're really grateful for that as a new team, uh, that it wasn't just like unfriendly stoicism and it was really helpful and encouraging.
0: On to the bad. I mean, did you get shocked by uh, any of the static electricity? You know, did you fry any ESCs, that kind of thing?
4: I think our electronics somehow managed to stay unscathed from it, even though we got (laughs) shocked about once a minute and we started only using ESD protection like a weekend because someone donated it when they saw that we were shocking the bot. Uh, (laughs) I don't (laughs) be We probably... We probably deserve to lose at ESC but somehow they somehow they lived. You mentioned food, yeah. The first week before they switched caterers, I think they they the caterers had a in deceitful taste testing with the producers, so <laughs> they showed up with green eggs. Uh, about five out of six of my team members got food poisoning. and that's not really fun when you're working 18 hours a day Yeah, uh, and and still throwing up and then having more Red Bull and then throwing up and then having more Red Bull because you just threw it up. (laughs) Uh, So before
0: this... You know, I take it you're a BattleBots fan, obviously, or else, you know, you wouldn't pour so much time and energy into becoming a team. But um, had you been to BattleBots before? You know, can you talk about your previous experience, um, you know, with, with BattleBots?
4: Yeah, so, yeah, obviously, I was a fan. I started like, big a fan of the new seasons when I was, I think it was 12. It was, like, six seasons plus a gap year, right? Uh, I'm on team now. So just thinking back, that's kind of mind-boggling to me i was still a pre-teen uh when the show started like its reboot and there's people who there who have been doing it before the reboot too yeah uh, i also did go to the filming it was the last one before covid that's season four uh i was able to watch some amazing fights and then i got to go back into the pits because i was talking to some teams about uh, a high school event uh, for my high school team Uh, and got some t-shirts some stickers so it's great uh and very motivational to try to get try to get there and have a bot of my own uh in the pits
0: thinking back on the last six seasons was there a point where you decided yes i want to get to battle bots you know was it uh 12 year old kyle miller you know looking at the Discovery Channel, and uh, or I guess that was ABC back then. Um, you know, saying like, I definitely want to build something someday. You know, or has this been a more recent dream?
4: Uh, I would say it started sophomore year of high school. My 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 team got shut down for. My, I had a high school FRC team, and that got it was twenty years old, twenty years old program. It got axed because uh, apparently having robotics teams means that kids won't take the engineering classes and if more people took the classes, they would have gotten a grant and then less people took the classes. I'm bitter. You can probably tell I'm very bitter, but that I think it was a good thing for me. Yeah. Cause then that's when I was, what do you do next? Uh, I was able to start an amazing team with like great people behind me. Uh, and, like with me uh, at Placer Advanced Robotics and Technology, which is just the background number part. Uh, and that's where I started doing 15 pound combat robotics because uh, BattleBots had piqued my interest. And then looking into it, there's like more practical weight classes that I really encourage people who are interested uh, to start there. After a year of that, I applied with a really, really garbage bot with fake internals. <laughs> trying to rush in. And of course that didn't go in. It had like almost no branding, but that was like a great learning experience for what they're actually looking for in bots. So I went, did another 15 pounds. Uh, and then in high school, sorry, out of, out of high school, it's making a bot that can actually get in and actually would perform, uh, theoretically. That's a good segue
0: to part. I'd love to learn more about it. So did you run uh, combat robotics events in the Sacramento area or did you attend other people's combat robotics events in the Sacramento area? Like, where did you end up fighting these 15 pound robots?
4: So it started with there was no events at all for 15 pound bots in NorCal. Uh, So we had to drive eight hours down to Martin Mason, who who's Mad Catter's captain. Uh, his events down in, in Southern California, and those those events were the reason we continued doing it. They were really well run, and it was like really friendly, like grassroots uh, events. And it, I don't know, we were just floored how awesome it was to be there. Uh, and we ca- we came back for we did four of those events while I was there, uh, and then the second we also did. In Pennsylvania, there's a NRO Nationals, which is the 15-pound kind of high school league that they're trying to set up. Uh, and so we went there for our first year, and we tried again second year, but then COVID hit. Uh, and then February of my senior year in high school is when part actually ran our own our own event in NorCal. Uh, and yeah, I think there's there's going to be another one again in February uh partnered with Martin. I'm pretty sure I don't know the details too well. Don't quote me on anything here. Uh, but if there's anyone anyone listening who wants to make a 15 pound bot in there in high school, uh, try to find out more and go to it. Uh, I know I'm trying to get my team. Because uh, we're, we're uh, unlike most of Autobots teams, we're kind of like an actual school club where we have new members coming in a semester. And that's going to be our training program is to get a 15 pound bot And so on. if you go there, you will probably compete against my team.
0: That's really cool. Um, yeah. I've, I've heard typically people suggest to start at like three pounds, you know, I guess, uh, can you talk about the decision to go with 15 pounds? Is it just like easier to machine parts? Um, you know, is it a more forgiving weight class?
4: I, w- I would recommend three pounds for most people. Uh, The reason we went with 15 was it's a high school team that had done robotics for a couple years already. And we were used to manufacturing, uh, more metal things, I guess, for, for the FRC robots. And at three pounds, it's more, uh, more of the plastics. And so it's a, it's a lot, it's a lot easier it's a lot more cost-effective and you learn a ton and you can reuse the bots a lot more because they they, they just fly around uh, because of the surface weight, surface area to like, area, to volume, sorry, it's just amazing. So they just, they just, it's awesome fights because they keep on going and you can reuse them and reuse them. We we, we just wanted the biggest that was practical for us uh, and that we thought was within our capabilities having Come from a robotics team. Um, when when I think
0: about combat robotics in the Sacramento area, I think about Kingpin and I think about Tombstone. Um, and I'm curious, have you um, met Ray Billings? You know, has he come out to your events? You know, have you um, have you met the the Kingpin uh, team? Are they are they involved at all in part? Yeah. So we met
4: Ray. We did not mean we did not meet anyone from Kingpin. Uh, Ray went to three pound events that we went to, in at Sierra College, uh, which is a, a community college in the area, uh, and he had his he had Thompson's on showcase there, and we talked to him there, and we we were briefly in discussion about him for the the NorCal fifteen pound event, but uh, he decided to go a, a different route with a with a nonprofit. I think he's starting. Mm. If you look at the part Instagram, you can see our picture with them.
0: Um, so you got into UC Berkeley. So congratulations there. It's a very difficult school to get into, um, and you immediately started a combat robotics club there at Berkeley. Is this like the first combat robotics club that Berkeley's ever had? And, you know, um, I I'm not familiar with like the team's history. I guess in in combat robotics,
4: it is not. There is a awesome. There's an awesome. Team at, uh, at Berkeley that does three pound combat robots, and they host their own event uh, at UC Berkeley, and we are completely separate from them. Uh, we decided we wanted to do a battle bot uh, in the summer before school even started, uh, and we did not think it'd be a good decision to. Join another club and try to get them to completely change what they were doing just because we wanted to do a battle bot. Right. Uh, and so we started our own club. We yeah we're, we're we're avoiding doing three pound bots uh, as for like our training program just because we don't want to step on their feet because they're doing great work. They have their own decal where they teach combat robotics as so like a like a one unit class, uh, and they they have their own event. So we're just gonna avoid avoid doing that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. Um, so you start your own club and was it difficult to kind of get people on board or are like students tripping over themselves to uh, to join a battlebots team? you know can you talk about the club size and you know, was it kind of like first meeting just hey everybody, our goal is we're gonna build a battlebot that gets on TV you know can you kind of talk about that?
4: it's it's really get, easy to get people interested it's hard to get them to want to do like work for a battlebot and what what i mean by that is uh battlebots is really interesting uh and people want to be like go to battlebots and be on a battlebots team but they, what they don't realize uh is that like for most people who do, who do battlebots it's basically a second full-time job right uh and they're super busy students and not every, every student can spend a month and a half before the competition working uh, like 16 hour days on a robot. Uh, and they can't dedicate like a tons of hours every week before then uh, trying to get it designed through the application process. So mm. interest is easy. Finding people who are capable, like who have the who have the time uh, to do it, is is more difficult. Uh, we don't like reject people from the from the club based on skill set too. So it's there's if you are new, but there there then there's extra time to learn everything if you're completely new, which is difficult. Which is why we're doing the fifteen pound uh, next season rather than trying to get everyone who's working the same amount of like who, have to, who haven't done any robotics before trying to spend the time to work on the bot and also learn everything in a super short period. It's like very difficult.
0: I, I would love to hear kind of like, what do you know now? I guess <laughs> that you didn't know a year ago, if you could go back and uh, talk to Kyle from a year ago, um, you know, were, were there things that you learned like at BattleBots or in the process of designing and building this robot that um, you could pass on to the next uh, rookie who is <laughs> listening to the show and thinking about applying next year? Yes, yes,
4: definitely. The producers will tell you they want fancy shaped bots. Don't listen to them, it's a lot of work. <laughs> you can get in with a box, <laughs> trust me. <laughs> yeah uh yeah we spent a lot of time trying to make fancy things to get in the show and it's a lot of it's a lot it's a lot more of a time sink than we realized oh we could have dialed it back a bit and focused on more important things for the bot
0: yeah (laughs) that's the main thing that is a good segue, because I would love to hear about all the fancy things. Um, before I turn it over to Nicole and all the listener questions, I would love to uh, to get a description of your robot. So for someone who's listening, obviously it's in audio format, could you describe Glitch uh, to somebody who hasn't seen it before?
4: Uh, glitch is a vert- four-wheel vertical <laughs> spinner. Uh, why we tried the fancy things. Uh, four-wheel vertical spinner uh, with a holonomic, like, multi-directional drive system shaped like a B-2 bomber, I think is what people call it. I, yeah. And a very large uh, vertical spinning beater bar at the front.
0: Cool. Um, talk to me about the design process. Um, how, like, when did you begin designing the robot? When did you begin... Um, actually machining the parts when did you begin testing the robot um you know I guess kind of chronologically like how long did it take from start to finish
4: yeah uh we started cadding or we started we, like we started catting like during the summer last year so about a year from now uh, we had a we had a couple of rough iterations of the shape uh, we, we started off knowing we wanted to do the omni wheels and we wanted the beater bar, uh, the beater bar was relatively finished quickly. Uh, uh, and we, we talked to Greg about like shapes and branding and that sort of thing. Uh, and then it was, uh, it was, it was fairly slow because process since, since that first two weeks before we were cramming to show it to Greg. Uh, and then after that, it was a lot of club building, uh, trying to get people to learn uh, about combat robotics because they hadn't, uh, they hadn't ever experienced it before. After that, like second semester is where we started really well in the, in the winter is where we were really started grinding for the application. Cause that's when it was due. Uh, and that bot was a beautiful shell that was 50 pounds overweight in CAD. <laughs> so it got in, uh, with, with the, with the aesthetic, then all the, all the fancy stuff that I talked about, uh, as a theoretical, uh, 50 pounds overweight, so not practical at all. And so we did have to spend a lot of time after that winter session making a bot that actually could work on battle bots as something that does not get instantly disqualified for being 50 pounds overweight, uh, And so then that was, that was that kind of like the bat session. So winter to, uh, I think a month or two before this summer. And then the main thing then was rushing to try to get the frame done because, uh, being a billet frame, it took like six weeks to machine And like it got held up and well, one of, we have three different frames. I guess we can talk about that in a little bit, but making sure it. Got there on time. We had to get the CAD done, and then it came like two weeks before we went to BattleBots, and so we were we started building like two weeks before the frame came, but we couldn't really do much. Wow. uh Without the frame, because being a billet, everything just mounts to the frame, uh, so you can't really assemble much else. And so it was a very short turnaround time because the CAD was very delayed, and so that meant a lot of grinding at the end
0: i i feel like one one of the most striking things about glitch's design is this really interesting shaped egg beater like it's it's not like like a straight egg beater like um like black dragon um it it's got this this cool curve inside of it um can you talk about that that decision to to go with this interesting shape for for the egg beater versus something more conventional
4: there's there's a there's a lot behind it. I don't know how nerdy I want to get. Uh, Go for it. It's yeah. I'd say it's the it's the it's the most we put into it. The bot math wise, or, or theoretically, not like actual like raw, a bunch of physics, but more just conceptually. Uh, to start off. I know almost every bot has this now. Is the beater bar is offset. And what that means is one side of it is longer and the other side's a counterbalance. And we have about three inches difference. We tried to maximize that difference between the, tith- the one side and the other side uh, to try to get as much the robot into, uh, the opponent robot into our beater as much as possible. Uh, and what it allows you to do uh, is either one, you can double the speed that you had before, which is four times the energy and have the same amount of bite, uh, bite being like engagement onto the beater bar. Uh, or you can just have more bite. It's I guess everything's like a ratio. Uh, other thing was trying to optimize moment of inertia per mass. So our, our beater bar is 58 pounds. We wanted to have the most... Rotational inertia for that like 58 pounds Uh, And to do that Well, that's like the whole concept of the beater bar is to get all the mass at the ends of the of the spinning weapon so Unlike it's it's the same concept as a disc a disc spinner you put the mass at the ends, but for it's a lot it's a lot better against uh, horizontal spinners because or, or or vertical spinners with a, with a large amount of bite because they will not hit that disc part that's not a weapon. They will just hit the beater bar uh, tip. Right. Uh, and then having, having that moment of inertia just adds to energy and mass. Uh, sorry, don't finish that thought.
0: No. Yeah, uh, that's really, really cool.
4: Yeah. The, the curve part, so there's there's a curve leading behind the weapon uh, that curve is the exact curve of our theoretical drive speed of two box colliding, uh, with the RPM that we wanted the weapon to spin up, which we completely messed up, both the drive speed, because the drives drives a lot slower than we wanted it to, but also the weapon we messed up. We forgot to change out the pulleys we were using in the, in the, into our spreadsheet for math. And so it ended up working out because the they ended up matching, but it was completely unintentional. <laughs> uh, you I guess you'll see uh, you might be able to sh- see on the show uh, what I mean better of both the, both the drive and the weapon were spinning slower, but because they were spinning the same, it ended up working well for engagement. But anyways, the the curve behind the weapon is. Uh, almost, what? Two bots driving towards each other. If an opponent were to hit, uh, if the if the if we were if we were to just barely have the weapon spin before they got to us, and they were going for the top of the weapon, like trying to hit the back of the weapon, uh, that that curve is supposed to be what like maintaining the same distance away from them so like the weapon shrinks inwards this is very hard to describe non-graphically no i get it uh but imagine imagine if you had like a spiral if like if if two bots were driving towards each other and the spiral is the distance between them and you just draw it, and the spiral gets smaller and smaller as the bots close get closer together. That's the distance between them. Uh, and just the rotation is the rotation of the tip of the weapon. Uh, so it's, it's that it's that spiral. Just the radius of the weapon decreases, and it should be it decreases so the distance between the bots stay. Well, the distance between the tip of our weapon and the other bot stays the same as the bots move together i hope that makes sense
0: no that's really really cool um yeah the, w- one of the things i love about battle bots is like an engineering exercise is that different people attack different parts of the problem and come up with really interesting solutions i think that this curved this curved egg beater sounds really really interesting and i'm so stoked to see it on tv and i think that you know that that description of of why why it's designed that way and what it's designed to do makes total sense. So um that's that's really exciting. Um the other thing I wanted to ask about was the omnidirectional wheels. Um so you know we think of omni wheels we think of shatter right um and I know that ominous was supposed to also come with omni wheels with a you know vertical vertical spinner. Um so it's really cool that you know Glitch is also you know running Omni wheels. Um, what was the design thinking there? Um, I, I guess like the in in my mind, I've never seen this before, so I'm just uh, you know speculating. But like it seems like if you got a big hit, um, an Omni wheeled robot would kind of uh, float around the box, I guess, a little bit more, like in reaction to the hit. Um, when I think of you know big hard hitting vertical spinners like bite force or something like that. You know, I think of like just straight on wheels. Um, so can you talk about the the decision to go with Omni wheels versus conventional wheels and, um, and, you know, your, your experience with them, obviously without, you know, breaking your NDA or talking about, you know, specific matches, but um, yeah, I'd, I'd love to, to hear about your experience.
4: The main thing was we wanted to get into battle butts, <laughs> So, right yeah i'm just gonna start it off with that so people don't think we're crazy and that it's actually a better drive because it it definitely has a lot more downsides uh, than a normal drive would uh but theoretical benefits uh with a vertical spinner and omni drives if you're strafing more you're turning less if you're turning less gyros less of an issue uh you'll see teams that have big weapons they have to turn really slow uh to not flip over or uh they have to turn down their weapon when they're like turning or they end up driving or they end up they have to slow down their weapon when they're turning or they have to just have their bot lift when they turn fast and that's right that's an issue if you're against a good driver and they can really take advantage of that just driving a driving a circle around you uh the other the other cool thing is what you can do with Omnigos if it's an actually controllable drive uh, is you can theoretically circle the opponent with the weapon facing towards them at all times. there's there's a lot of a lot of times in matches you have, one bot staying in the middle, circling, following the other opponent, like stationary, and the other one's driving completely perpendicular to them, uh, just waiting for the middle one to mess up. But if the middle one messes up, it's a lot dip- more difficult to turn 90 degrees and try to get them, rather than just being able to go forwards. That's the, that's the main concept around why they could be good if there weren't all the other completely <laughs> Uh, more practical downsides
0: yeah well I, I color me intrigued like I, I really wanted to see ominous um, and I was delighted when I learned that glitch has omni wheels um, so I am really excited about seeing that as well um, All right, I'm going to turn it over to Nicole who has about a million and a half listener questions some really really good listener questions so take it away Nicole
5: Okay, um, let's start off with some really good questions from Alexander Archer, who wants to know, how are you feeling about competing on BattleBots as a completely new rookie team with a new robot?
4: I'll answer this as if it was me two weeks ago. Uh, I was very, very nervous. Uh, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, the bot was not working yet, uh... I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that it was ever working, but that's, that's subjective. Uh, Yeah. So yeah, uh, it was, it was very, it was very stressful, very nervous, but also very exciting uh, that we were, that we were going to be able to go there and be with all these great teams that we like watched on TV while we were growing up as preteens. It was, it was, it was. Combination of fear and excitement.
5: <laughs> so, so looking at those teams that you, you looked up to as veterans, were there any that you were absolutely terrified about going up against?
4: Yes. I, I, I think it's more of a question of who weren't we terrified of going up against? I think every, every matchup we're like, oh, we're done. <laughs> uh, just cause it's Battle of Us this season, every team is like amazing. Uh, they all like It's really competitive now and all the bots are... Especially veteran teams, they've all had it tuned in for years and just incrementing better and better. And you're there with a bot that you can't bolt down the top plate completely because you don't have enough room for wires. And you have to put on the side armor after because your side armor doesn't go in... Uh, well, your top armor doesn't go in... Because of those wires sticking up when the sidearm server's in, so you have to take 40 minutes to put the batteries in the bot, uh, and you're late to almost every match.
5: So, while you were there, other than battle bots, what else did you guys do in Vegas? Anything fun?
4: Yeah, uh, we didn't do much Vegas things. We walked on the 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 hotel the team's got was by the strip and we we walked down at once and it's like okay it's a street and we're all minors (laughs) or not minors but we're all we're all less than 21 which for vegas is what you have to be to go into anything so we're just kind of like walking there like okay let's get some sleep because we're working 16 hours tomorrow (laughs) Uh, but but other than that there's sorry there's like builder get-togethers and those were those were the highlight for us.
5: Cool. Very cool. So obviously without giving away spoilers, how do you feel Glitch did this season?
4: Uh, pleasantly. I'm pleasantly surprised. <laughs> uh, that's all I'll say.
5: Okay. <laughs> how did you manage to get accepted to compete on the show as a rookie when obviously BattleBots had to bring back a lot of the returning veterans? What do you think made you guys stand out?
4: Yeah. I think there's there's two things one there's the bot uh which we i think we could have gone in without of them, but we threw a bunch of giddy we threw a bunch of goodies that goodies in there, uh like reactive leds and a radar system that both kind of get working the radar because of some firmware issues and the leds because of that bat the like the forty minutes to put on the top plate and our battery only lasted like thirty minutes uh and then. Also, just the team, uh, they're really looking for college teams because they want uh, sustainability and longevity within teams, and that's a really, like, colleges are a great source for that.
5: So are you planning to return for the already confirmed seventh season?
4: We are. Well, We'll see if we get accepted.
5: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, cool. So, again, without spoilers... What do you think about this upcoming season? Is it going to be a top-tier season?
4: It's going to be a top-tier season, I think. I, I think at least the the fights that I watched were absolutely amazing. Uh, the one thing I'm not sure about is, I don't, I don't know if there's anyone in the pits this season to do segments, which is one thing I really loved about last season. Yeah. Uh, and I, I never saw that, so I'm not sure what's... What's I don't, I have no idea what's happening with the with the filler stuff. Uh, I hope it's good, right? But I I haven't heard anything about it. Uh, but I will say the fights are absolutely amazing.
5: Well, that's what's what it's all about, right?
4: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's the highlight.
5: Yeah. Well, we've got some good question too from uh, Curtis Honeycutt who asked. Well, he says, Glitch looks like the evil-slash-awesome robot overlord offspring of the Matrix and Tron. So he wants to know what things from movies and pop culture inspired your design for Glitch.
4: Uh, actually, the, the I, don't, I don't know how much of this is movie or pop culture, but the, the V2 bomber, I know people have said it looks like the bot. Uh, once we made like the, the, the basic shape that we ended up going for... Someone on our team compared it to that. And we're like, oh my god, that's amazing. How do we make it slightly more like it? Uh, I think that's the main thing that inspired us. Uh, uh, I don't know if any, I wanna, I don't know if any movies or pop culture did, uh, other than the themology. Like the, like the, our, our, our glitch theme is fairly basic if you look up glitch logo on google images it ends up being there's there's like a bunch that are the same we saw like, we saw like a vex team pop up with an instagram account that's like named glitch uh and they had the same logo like like nearly the same logo when we were completely unpublic and we're like yeah that's that's basic we understand uh so just the themology of glitch and the b 2 Palmer.
5: Alright, so we've got some good questions from Richard Sum who says Glitch has a really unique shape that fits with BattleBots. What does it look like as a shadow application criteria? So what inspired the shape and what advantages do you feel it brings? And what disadvantages are you worried about or were you worried about?
4: Inspiration, B2 Palmer. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that a lot. Advantages. Although there's there's a the tail on the back. I would say that's not super advantageous it's just they're stylistically to fit stuff in uh, if it was just a flat back that wasn't a point uh, that would probably be a lot better competitively uh, but what is an actual advantage uh, the armor sloping kind of backwards uh, I know it's been compared to Valkyrie uh, but when it's actually close to the ground when we're fighting the wedge game, uh, it's a different story. So the point of it is all these teams have these big forks this year or er, and last year. Uh, and if you have your weapon sticking out and your armor sloping back, if they have these big forks on the side, either one, they won't be able to reach before your weapon hits, or two, they'll need longer forks uh, to be able to do a head-on-head. So... That's the, that's the concept for this armor sloping back on the ground. Uh, the other thing is just sloped armor everywhere uh, really helps with deflection and decreasing the force that the bot takes from hits. And then the third thing is a wider wheelbase, again, helps counteract uh, the gyroscopic forces so we can handle a big weapon.
5: So one more question from Richard is if you had to tag team with another college team, which team would you choose? And also which other college teams do you most want to take on?
4: I think Uppercut. Uh, they just hit so hard uh, and like having a two bots that have big weapons would be very, very entertaining if we were to actually hit <laughs> other opponents. Uh, And, and like, we're literally scared of every bot we go against. So, (laughs) yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know which one would be my, I would pick to go up against.
5: Too many to choose. (laughs) All right. I'm going to have Kyle jump in and do, do some questions now.
3: Hey, Kyle. How you doing? Um, I'm really excited to talk to you today and I'm glad that you had a, uh, a productive first experience at BattleBots. It sounds like you and your team learned a lot, and it sounds like you guys are pretty pleased with how you did, so that makes me really happy. Daniel Tuffin wants to know, what's one bot you really wanted to fight?
4: Uh, Endgame. <laughs> yeah? All right. Yeah.
3: Why Endgame? That sounds like uh like shooting for the top.
4: Yeah. It. it their bot just amazingly, amazes me. Like The internals are so absolutely... Beautifully machined, and they make so much stuff custom and like redo gearbox face plates into a magical three D extrusion extrusions to just save a little bit of weight or add a little bit of strength. Uh, and that's just really what I want the team to be able to get to, the, like the level of the team I want. I want the t- the level I want the team to get to, uh, where just everything is thought of and everything is optimized to be uh durable practically i think we would get absolutely destroyed <laughs> uh, <laughs> but but it, it it's not a it's not a ooh i think we could take down the winner of last year but type of thing it's more of a their team their bot and their team is absolutely amazing
3: yeah and there's definitely like levels to this sport right you can watch these teams level up as time goes on so it's it's cool to see you jumping into that journey and already picking out those things that you want to do um and one of my favorite things that i ever like noticed on a bot like that where it was like oh that's that's next level is uh, i remember how rucker shared a picture of the like not this duck billet but the last duck billet and realizing that like there was places cut into the billet for cable pathways to go like along the edge and sides and like through different nooks and crannies. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> Oh, okay. Yeah. He's just like really thought the whole thing through. It's amazing. Um, all right. So what's one bot you really don't want to fight? I
4: just want to fight all the bots. Man. <laughs> 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 You're making me choose. Uh, I'm, I personally am okay with the bot getting demolished. So that, that whittles down. Being able to pick a bot that would completely destroy us, uh, and yeah, I feel like that's the only acceptable answer to that question. Yeah, that's fair.
3: That's definitely fair. Um, so Matthew Kahoi wants to know uh, what challenges did you guys face when you were scaling up to the heavyweight?
4: I think the the main thing we had to get a lot of help with was the like the loads and forces of what hits are oh we had no idea what bolt sizes to use uh what like for our omni wheels we started off with ones that theoretically could do the load but they were plastic and it's like we were skeptical and so we asked teams and we're like yeah no and we're like okay yeah figures it checks out (laughs) yeah we had to resize all of our bolts knowing like okay this is going to be the bot that gets accepted it's both so completely impractical what then then we're asking teams what do we need uh for it to actually survive and what but what like what's the minimum so we don't spend too much weight on it we're, we're trying to optimize yeah that
3: makes perfect sense um so david willis wants to know can glitch self right and if so
4: how uh theoretically <laughs> <laughs> oh that's never a good answer uh we're, we're, a, we're a weapon we're a weapon first uh self rider bot uh which <laughs> i don't know i feel uh, people have seen the show <laughs> they know what that means uh the 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 second the second line of defense is we have Short rollers sticking out, uh, that if our weapon is stopped, we can have our wheels and those rollers, our back wheels and those rollers off the ground at the same time. Oh, cool. Uh, so we can't, we can't, like, drive into the wall and flip ourselves over. We are at the prey of, we are at the mercy of our opponent, uh, deciding to magically flip us over, or maybe if we get, like, lucky on the screws on the side, uh which is it's not ideal but the main thing was we weren't able to make a self writer in time that wasn't overweight or gonna break instantly so that's something we were like okay we'll do it we'll do it next year uh and uh i have i, have, I was influenced by some of the end game people who, who, who already at that point switched to having, they have like a six pound self rider, which is insanely light. Uh, but they influenced me of like, why, why spend the weight on a self rider when you can spend the weight not getting flipped? Which sounds great, but <laughs> <laughs> not a good backup plan. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. And the, and the main reason we didn't have the, we don't have the bunny ears sticking out of the weapon is, we have omni wheels and if we had the we're kind of stubby front to back, so if we had those rollers up, we would have very exposed omni wheels on the back, which is
3: Yeah, not ideal. More more of
4: a risk, we decided then. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Omni wheels want to stay inside the bot for sure. Um all right, so here's an interesting question. I know how heavy it is, but how powerful is your spinner? That's something Gareth Jones wants to know.
4: This is where I said we messed up uh, the math. Uh, yeah, it was supposed to be two forty miles per hour, sixty-seven kilojoules. It is one thirty uh, miles per hour right now. Theoretically, one sixty before air resistance. Uh, so not as fast as you want. Yeah, underpowered. Yeah, a little bit. Uh, but but we got we got lucky because we we ended up driving uh, <laughs> slower than ideal because you'll, you'll see. Uh, and that, 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 yeah, that ended up being a benefit. Well, our, our speed ended up being a benefit with that because if it was higher, we probably wouldn't have been able to get the engagement that we calculated for the faster drive to have. Uh, uh, gotcha. So we got, we got lucky with that. Uh, we did try to upgrade it uh it would have been two times. so theoretically one 320, but with air resistance, uh, it's half the torque. and so 30 to 60 you're at 260 plus half the torque. So we were like, okay, it's well within we can tack it. Uh, and it will probably be under if not, there's voltage limiting. Uh, we did get called so we got by another team to attack us. And it was it was com it was, it was very comical for us because we're like okay we're at half the speed limit right now <laughs> like don't rub it into our faces that we couldn't get it to work <laughs> uh, like like we even yeah I told you we tried to upgrade it so it would have been exactly there and our our motors didn't have enough torque because we weren't doing censored. So we, we weren't even running what would have been like with air resistance exactly there. The main, the main thing was way less than what we wanted. Um. All right. So this is a question from Craig LeBlanc. Um,
3: how did you train or program the bot to drive straight when the Omni wheels are facing in different directions? I am also curious about that. Um. Explain to us like, a little bit about how how omni wheels work and specifically your setup of yeah. wheel
4: so uh the basic configuration for an omni wheel drive i would say is a, is you're in a square uh if you want to move forward or strafe without turning it's fairly simple of all the wheels are forward or all the wheels are going the direction uh, of like that you're strafing uh And it's, uh, like, it's like, if for, for that square, it's like two lines of code, uh, to, to do the, to do the transformation, uh, from like, we, we did it on the, we did it on the receiver. We did, we, we have the, we have a different shape, but we did a, we did, uploaded a script onto the receiver. So you would just, sorry, the transmitter. So we would just upload that. Uh, So you could just upload a simple Okay, this these joystick directions mean uh, This for the wheels Uh, Yeah, Uh, for us uh, We have the front wheels and the back wheels uh, Are different? Distances from our center of mass and different angles from our center of mass Uh, so what that means is the, if we were to strafe and just have all the wheels at the same speed, we would also turn. Uh, Forwards is the same, so it's, it's all the wheels go forward uh, and we go forward, uh, but strafing, we had to do some linear algebra. Uh, we got help from uh, someone named John White. Uh, he's just someone on, the, someone on our team knew. Uh, We were trying to do some calculus optimization problem to do it, but it was like, oh, because we we knew linear algebra could solve it for what we're like. There's a non-square matrix, and we didn't realize that you could invert that uh, because we're new to this stuff uh, Uh, (laughs) math-wise. And so he he was like, oh, you could do that. And then so, yeah, it's, it's a... There's a matrix for doing wheels to... Uh, the joystick speed and so there's there's a linear algebra uh, equation for that and so we had to take the inverse of a matrix that was non-squared so and then do a bunch of scaling so it all worked out uh yeah and it still doesn't drive straight Uh, (laughs) because (laughs) wheels have different weights on the ground uh even, like, left side and right side, just because the tiles are different. Uh, so, it <laughs> it was a lot of math for our our driver still has to... We have we have a movement stick and a turning stick. Our driver still had to, like, turn. He had to adjust us every time he moved with the turning stick so we would not, like, curve. Yeah. We're, we're thinking about sharp... Well, not sharp on it, but, like, suspension on the wheels, especially with... So we're trying to get like all the wheels on the ground because it's very rough for us to have three wheels on the ground. Yeah, uh, and then you're ending up like moving to the left <laughs> and and turning to the left when you're trying to just go forward. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll do some development there to try to make it better.
3: I wanted to pivot over real quick and talk a little bit about your wedge. I got two questions about the wedge. Um. So Jethrox wants to know uh, it, the wedge looks thin and hollow. Um, I feel like it could be snapped. If the wedge gets snapped and bent inwards into the weapon, is that a problem? And then Paul Ogan wants to know uh, how are you going to get any opponents into that egg beater with all that wedge in front? Um, that was a pretty common topic of conversation online. So can you can you like explain a little bit about that design and the thinking behind it and uh, how it how you feel it works in real life?
4: I, uh, yes, I've seen, I've seen a lot talking about the wedge. Uh, I would like to start off saying there is a non wedge configuration. <laughs> so, nice. Please don't think we're gonna run that against everything. Uh, theoretically, what it would be for is horizontal spinners and drums or egg beaters that do not have, uh, Forks or have super stubby forks. Right. Uh, the concept being they hit that before they hit our weapon. Uh, it certainly would be an issue for, especially bots with ground clearance, uh, to try to get them to ride up the whole wedge and still being able to hit them. Uh, especially with a drive that has. I, I didn't mention this before, but actually, I post like, square root two less traction, so we're, we have to, we basically have to have a lot of momentum to get bots up there. Uh, so, yeah. Everyone, ev- what everyone's saying is absolutely right, but we have another configuration, so it's, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It is a lot wider in the front before a beater than we wanted to, Is just we wanted to get our wheels as far forward, uh, because, because of the 45 degree, they're even more back than they should be. Uh, and so we prioritize that. Yeah. You needed it to drive.
3: That's, that's fine. That makes perfect sense. All right. So, uh, now we're going to get into the more philosophical questions. Um, so Sporkanoff, Captain Lilith Specht, she asks, what's your favorite glitch?
4: Any, any video game where you can just get as many coins as possible, so you can just spend it all and do whatever you want. That's my
3: answer. Yeah, I'd say that's reasonable. And finally, let's close out this interview with a, f- a series of deeply philosophical questions from BattleBot superfan Mary Catherine Carr. She says, it's hard to think of things to ask that aren't spoilery, so time to go into left field. Uh, what are the
4: majors of everyone on your team? Oh, Everyone. Let's see. We have twenty-three people. I can I can I can I can go and read them off. <laughs> this is like a quiz for you. You don't have to read all
3: of them. If you've got just like a smattering at the top of your head, that's perfectly fine.
4: I'm doing this. Katie Howe, mechanical engineering lead, who also is a mechanical engineering uh major. Big surprise there. Uh we have Ray Huffmagel, our operations lead. So Trying to get money, he is a political economy major. We have Roy Zhang, who's our Eecs lead. Uh, so like electrical and software engineering, uh, he is a mechanical engineering major. Yeah, not a not a not a CS or electrical. And then we have a bioengineering major, Yunji Kwan, for our marketing. Okay. Only 19 to go. (laughs) I might, I'm kind of regretting this. I feel bad. Andre Jones, uh, chemical engineering. Andy Goh, uh, he is a computer science major. Andy Lin, uh, business. Anna Hagawara, uh, Eeks. Anthony, uh, Eeks is electrical engineering and computer science. Anthony Moody is mechanical engineering. Carl Matabang, uh, physics. That's not on there. Okay. Helena Grebe, uh, computer science. Henry Chen, chemical engineering. Caitlin Lee, uh, bioengine- bioengineering and mechanical engineering. Karen Ting, uh, business and computer science. Larry Zhao Zhao, uh, physics. Lauren Lee, business. Laika DeVore, mechanical engineering. Matthew Mena, uh, MCB, uh, molecular cell biology. Mona Lee, Biology and Business, Romeo Estelle, Mechanical Engineering, Thomas Wang, Business Major, Uh, Vincent Lee, Computer Science, uh, Computer Daniel, Electrical uh, Engineering. Okay. I hope I didn't miss anyone. Uh, If I did, and anyone (laughs) on the team is watching this, uh, sorry you're not on our (laughs) BattleBots application, (laughs) and that'd be that'd suck.
3: Uh, Yeah. Okay.
4: Thank you for letting me do that. <laughs> All
3: right, so next question for Mary Catherine Carr. What does your team do to celebrate? What does your team do for celebrations?
4: Uh we've never been in person except for working on the robots. So, I guess we'll figure that out in like a week when we get the whole team together <laughs> cuz <'Cause it's like laughs> a lot of the people weren't able to go to the actual battle bots because it was like our first week of school. Uh so Yeah. We'll plan something.
3: All right. So do you guys have a team mascot?
4: Not yet. We are planning on one for next year. It's going to be a cube. It's going to have eyes on it and we're going to call it pixel. (laughs) That's adorable.
3: (laughs) All right. Here's another one for Mary Catherine Carr. If you made a mini bot, what would it be and how would it fit in with your overall aesthetic?
4: We should have had a mini, mini. We were, uh, as I said before, we were very, very rushed. We took out, a lot, we took out the LEDs and the radar system, and we had to grind a lot of our frame to fit in wires. So we're fifteen pounds underweight. Which, by the way, we also got called for, for someone thought we were overweight. When we've been one of the lowest weight teams there. Uh, <laughs> nice. Uh, so yeah, we, we should have run a mini bot, but I really want one that would help us with the ground clearance, <laughs> just like shoveling us whenever <laughs> we like get a bump on the ground. That'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be
3: nice. <laughs> um, all right. I have a kind of a, a related question about that outside of Mary's questions. Um. What is something that you just at the competition wish you had? I always think about like the first time you go camping and you bring the tent and the sleeping bag and you're like, man, this would be so much better if I brought chairs. Next time I'm going to bring a chair, you know. So what is the chair that you thought about this time around? Like you're running around the pits, you're doing all the things. What's the one thing you really wish you had just to make your pit experience a little bit easier, a little bit nicer?
4: Pillows. <laughs> we had a we had a couple. There, there's tables. There's there's two level tables. Uh, we were. Uh, Monsoon was next to us, so we were able to, and they they unfortunately couldn't come because of the passport situation. But we were able to raid their tables. Thank you, Monsoon team. Uh, so we had we had extra room at the bottom level. And so we had a couple people sleep there and they used the tire that was like torn up and very dangerous. <laughs> I have a scar on my hand because of just moving that tire and they were using that as their headrest. Oh so, no. <laughs> we should have, we, we should have had pillows. <laughs> <laughs> no, luckily only, only me who was intentionally touching it, being very careful, got hurt by the tire. Yeah. But we should have had pillows.
3: That's great. You're like, oh man, the one thing we could have done better at BattleBots is nap. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's so necessary to like survive and do well there for sure. And
4: yeah, it's like Vegas heat, all dehydrated, and working. And like this is including meal breaks as like a separate thing. Working like sixteen hours a day.
3: Yeah, uh, easily.
4: Oh, uh, we did. We did go back to the hotel a couple times with the bot, uh, to work on it even more than that. They they deserve some sleep and some pillows for that sleep.
3: A final question for Mary Catherine Carr. Um, she wants to know: Did you guys have fun?
4: Yes, it was amazing. We're coming back next year for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's great.
3: Well, Kyle, thank you so much for talking with us today. We can't wait to see Glitch in the Battle Box. I know so many people have so many questions about it, um, and we're really looking forward to seeing how you guys do this season and just seeing you know, how your team works together. I think it's going to be great, man.
4: Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you all. After the
1: break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World.
2: Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week we're traveling to my favorite country on planet Earth, Scotland, where researchers at the University of Glasgow have developed a robotic earthworm designed to help construction workers somehow. Uh, These worms are about two inches long and use magnets to expand and contract as they move through the environment. The researchers imagine future applications where the worms are able to navigate through pipes or search through rubble for survivors in a rescue mission. That is a pretty sophisticated earthworm. Um and uh you know the Scots are often on the cutting edge of uh, uh you know technology pioneering. So worm technology, um, <laughs> cutting edge of worm technology. They did clone Dolly the sheep. So, uh, you know, now it's time to move on from, you know, actual living being clones to earthworm robots.
0: Yeah, I, I love the idea of just kind of like tossing a pocketful of robot worms, you know, into the into the ground and just having them go digging into the earth, you know, <laughs> or, uh, you know, go go surfing down into a pipe, you know, to send back remote footage or something. I don't know. It's kind of interesting. It's like... Um, there's a lot of hard robots that just wouldn't do well in kind of these real-world environments, but an earthworm can go basically anywhere. Um it it's got this cool soft body that um you know can wrap around objects, pick them up, that kind of thing. Um I think it's a, it's a pretty pretty cool idea. Do you know did do, do you know if they have teeth? <laughs> Are you imagining them getting larger and larger and kind of rumbling underneath the ground? Is is that is that what you're thinking, Chris?
1: No, I, like if you've if you've seen it. I haven't seen what these worms look like. Do they have teeth? Uh, I don't I don't think so. Oh, they don't have teeth? So they're gummy worms? <laughs> I just, Uh, I didn't see it
3: coming, but it still hurts so bad.
1: Well, that's about it for us today. We'll be back (laughs) in your feed next Wednesday with another mystery guest. We'll see you then, folks.
3: Goodbye. Yeah, this show turned into worm food.
1: (laughs) (laughs)
2: Bye.